excited today. Hey, uh, we have been walking through the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to stay in the Sermon on the Mount for a pretty long time. We're going to we're gonna spend a few more weeks on it, then we're going to take a little break for Christmas, Thanksgiving, and then jump back in the Sermon on the Mount first of the year. But we've walked through all the Beatitudes, uh, which is pretty exciting. So Jesus comes. This is, this is pretty amazing. Jesus comes. Everybody believes that Jesus is going to be this conqueror, this revolutionary, this guy who's going to take over with power and with authority. And he starts teaching. And he's teaching with this new level of authority. He's healing. Everybody begins to hear the stories of what he's doing. And he gathers this crowd together. And he preaches the greatest sermon that's ever been preached in the history of the world. And he starts it with all of these countercultural things that nobody expects him to say. He starts it with all of these words and phrases that nobody expects him to give. And he gives us the way of Jesus. He lays out before us, this is the way you're supposed to walk as followers of Jesus. And it was revolutionary in that moment for the folks that were listening on that hill as they listened to him preach it, and it's revolutionary today. It had the power to change the world in that moment, and it has the power to change the world today. But I have one fear for us, Grace Marietta. Engage this cognitively. We can engage this with our mind without engaging it with our heart. I, I think we can do that a lot with this, with this stuff, right? I think we can believe what's in here. I think we can say, I know this is true. I think we can say, I think this is important. I think we can actually cognitively understand what it is without it ever making its way from our head to our heart. And so today, as we've been praying this week, we've been praying that today we could actually spend some time in the Beatitudes, not doing what we've done the last few weeks where we've cognitively talked about each one of them, where I've laid out, like, here's what it means, here's what Jesus was talking about, here's how our culture works, here's how Jesus asked us to work, here's the root words, here's the Latin and the Greek and all those kinds of things. I think we can do all of that stuff, and I think all of that is wonderful, but I think there's moments where Jesus says, I just want your heart today. When I first got married, I realized that my wife didn't just want me to tell her that I loved her. She wanted to have my heart. She didn't want me to go through the motions of like, okay, every Wednesday at three o'clock, I'm going to bring flowers home, and every Thursday, I'm going to do the dishes and make sure that you know that I did them, and every Friday, I'm going to do this thing, and she didn't want me to put an agenda on the fridge of how I'm going to love her that week. It would be weird. She just wanted my heart. And as we've been praying this week and as we've been thinking and, and kind of reflecting, we thought maybe it's good for us just not to have a sermon at all. And we, we talked for a few minutes about me not even coming up here, but just us just worshiping the whole time. But I wanted to come up because I want to give us just a little bit of, 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 of background and ideas of where we want to go today. And then we just want to open up space for us to actually look at the Beatitudes. Now, you all got these cards when you came in, will you look at those with me? And, and could you guys do me a favor? Can we just stand up for a second? Can everybody stand up? And we're just gonna read these together. We're not gonna read the way of humility and the distinctive. So we're not gonna read the way of the disciple and the distinctive of the disciples, but we're actually gonna read just the Beatitudes together. And as you're doing this, I want you to try and check out of your mind and check into your heart, all right? Here it is. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You guys can have a seat. In Luke chapter 10, there's a pretty famous story that if you've been around the church for any significant amount of time, you've heard a bunch, and it's the story of Mary and Martha gathering to, to welcome Jesus. And I, my, I, I wonder just sometimes if we Martha the Beatitudes. I wonder if we Martha church, if we kind of come into it every week and we're kind of like, okay, I want to understand this. I want to I wanna get it. I want to believe it. I want to comprehend it. And we miss the heart piece of it. And so in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it says, now that as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman called Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with all the serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me out. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. I want to repeat that again. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. As you came in here today, I wonder if we're anxious and worried about a bunch of different things and only one thing is necessary. I, I, I wonder today if the invitation of Jesus is just to be with him, is just to be in his presence because there's a reality that all of us have learned in some way or another a to-do list Christianity, right? That just kinds of adds to the anxious and worry. It's kind of like, I gotta do more things. And I, th I think there's a way to engage the Beatitudes where we look at this and we're like, oh man, this is another to-do list for me. I, I gotta figure out how to be poor in spirit this week and I'm not good at being poor in spirit. I gotta figure out how to mourn. I'm not mourning enough. God, help me mourn, right? I gotta be pure in heart. My heart's a mess, and it's not pure at all. And we, we engage it like it's a to-do list, and we walk through it as if it's some kind of thing that I've gotta check off the list. And so I, I check, okay, I mourned a little this week because I watched that sad show on whatever, the Lifetime Network. I watched that. I, I was meek this week because somebody yelled at me. I didn't yell back, and I, I was hunger and thirsting because I didn't eat dinner. I don't know. Like we, we just engage these things in the wrong way, and, and I think what happens when we do that is we kind of do the bare minimum of what's expected. We do the right things, but we don't become the right people. We don't become holy through to-do lists. We need an encounter more than we need an expectation. And so I think sometimes we kind of walk in saying, okay, this is the expectation, but what we actually need is to be at Jesus' feet. And so we're so busy trying to do, and it, and it comes from a good place, our to-do list Christianity, right? 
I think Jesus looks at us and he's like, oh, come on, that's nice. It's nice that you're trying to do all this stuff. But I just want you to be with me. That's how my wife feels when I try and cook dinner. <laughs> like, that was nice. It was nice that you tried to make dinner. But I just, uh, your dinner stinks. I just want you to be with me. <laughs> like, I know you're throwing something in the microwave. <laughs> like, come on. Like, it's, I, I think that's what we do. And so we, we don't just need productivity. We need intimacy. And so today, my, my word for us is I don't want us to come to the Beatitudes as a list of to-dos. I wanted to come, at it, to come at it as a lover of Jesus. And I want us to just sit in his presence and understand that, that he is the root that we're connected to. And if we want to live this out in our daily lives, it's not going to come through striving and effort and checklists and to-do lists. It's going to come because our hearts are aligned with his heart. It's going to flow out of us knowing him. My, my family and I went out to California a, a couple months ago, and we went to, this, to the Sequoias, to the Redwoods. Uh, and I've been there before, and I love, like, I, you guys know, I'm not much of an outdoorsman. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm there for short hikes. I am down with short hikes. My wife deceives me with short hikes, and they turn into long hikes. Right? So she always tells me, like, we're going on, a, it's just like a mile. We're just gonna, and then we're there for like eight hours. And I'm like... I feel like I'm going to die in the forest and I don't, I don't have water. That's, that's the way my wife hikes. She hikes like it's like we're exploring a new world, like we're trying to discover some kind of new place. And so, uh, but I'm down at the outdoors for a little bit. And so we went on, uh, I, I, I actually did the research. It was a good hike. It was manageable for me and my knees and my age and all of those kinds of things. And, and so we went on this hike and, and, and we were out there and, and they had these little things that tell you, you know, like as you're hiking, the little th things that tell you about this is this path and this is what this does. And there's all these different things that tell you about it. And there's one that talks about the root system of the sequoias. Uh, it's amazing because these things are enormous. I, I should have brought some pictures to just show you how large these trees are, but they're just unimaginably large. And what's interesting about them is that their root system doesn't go deep. You would think that like the root system of these giant trees goes so deep, but their root system, what it does is it connects all the other sequoias around it. And so their root system is connected to all the other roots. And the reason that the forest doesn't fall when there's earthquakes in California or when there's fires or when all of these things, and the reason the sequoias and the redwoods have stood the test of time is because they are rooted together. Their rootedness is not just we're going to go dive deep as we possibly can, but they root in such a way that they go deep, but they also go wide where they connect with each other. And I think this is the definition of what a church should be doing with spiritual disciplines, is that we have to be rooted, we have to dig down deep and discover what God has for us, but we also have to go wide where we're grabbing each other in the process and we're rooted together so that we can stand the test of time. And in the last couple of years, this has been insanely challenging for us as a people as we've walked through kind of trauma and craziness and all the stuff that's happened over the last couple of years. And I wonder if, if we just need to root together. And so we want to just kind of open up space to be connected. We want to open up space to kind of pray together. We want to open up space to just kind of check our roots together, to pray for one another, to meet Jesus, and to create space for him to step in. 
uh, I was listening to a story of an older, let's just say a seasoned person. Uh, we don't want to say old, but he was like my grandparents' age, uh, which is old. <laughs> and he was telling me, he was telling the story of how he came to faith. And I, I, I forget sometimes. I had an encounter a few weeks ago after church where somebody came to me and told me why they had come to church. And I think sometimes I forget that the bravest thing that somebody can possibly do is to walk through those doors back there. And he told this story. He was a kid, and he grew up, and his father left before he was born. And so at that time, uh, being a bastard child was a terrible thing. It was culturally, he was mocked. He was yelled at. He was kind of pushed to the side. The other kids always kind of treated him a kind of way, and it was just not a good experience for him growing up. And it, he always felt like an outsider and always felt like, I don't, I don't know where I belong. I don't know where I fit. A new preacher came to their town. It's a small town. A new preacher came to preach at their small town, and everybody kind of got excited about this new preacher. There's something about him. And the thing that they kept saying is he's, he loves everybody like Jesus loves. And so one Sunday, he decided to come to church, and he came to church, and he snuck in the back, and he sat in the back, and then he snuck out before it ended because he didn't want anybody to know he was there. And it was so good that he wanted to come back the next week. So he came back the next week. And after about the fourth week, he said, I got so into it that I forgot to leave early. And I was walking out, and as I was walking out, I was in this crowd, and I was afraid of crowds. And I'd already heard most of these people tell me who they thought I was. And so I didn't want to be in that crowd. And he said, all of a sudden, I got a hand on my shoulder. And I turned around, and the preacher was there. And the preacher said to me, hey, whose son are you? And he said, immediately, I just felt this anxiety and this fear and this, oh, no, it's going to happen again. And I've got to tell this story. And the preacher uh, us preachers, we, we kind of know when we mess something up by the look on people's faces a lot of times. And he knew that he asked a question that he shouldn't have asked. And there was something in his spirit that just kind of said, oh, wait a minute, I've just messed this up. And he said really loud, the preacher almost yelled it. He said, wait a minute, I know who you are. I know whose father yours. And it's super cheesy. I don't know why it got me. But he just looked at the boy and he said, you're a son of the most high God. What an amazing inheritance you have. And how incredible it is that that's your identity. And the boy said, right then, he said, I want to get baptized. That was the first words out of his mouth was, I want to get baptized. And ever since then, he's followed Jesus. And I don't know, guys. I don't know why that story is super cheesy. I don't know that I could just say that to somebody. But as I have been thinking about that story this week, I just think, man, guys, every single one of us today, you are the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. And this, this is his way. This is what he invites us into. 
This is the posture he invites us to inhabit in the world. And so I think today the only way we kind of figure out how to be rooted together is just to take some time together and open up space for us to just worship together and just be in his presence. So I'm going to stop talking. I've already gone longer than I said I was going to go. It's hard. Uh, We're going to put the prayer team up. And the prayer team's going to gather in all four corners of this room. So we're going to have people here, people here, people in the back. And I just want to invite you to just go get a word today. Go pray. Go to the prayer team and just say, hey, I need to pray about this, or this is on my heart, or this is what I've carried into this place that's made me fearful and anxious when there's one thing that I need. Um, Maybe you need to go and just say, hey, this one. The mercy one, I can't do it right now. And I want to do it, and I understand it in my head, but I can't do it in this certain situation. Or this purity of heart thing, I'm struggling with it because I got this one thing in my life. And maybe this is a moment of repentance. Maybe it's a time where we just sit down and just say, all right, Jesus, I need you to help me. I need you to guide me. I need you to direct me. I need you to lead me to this thing or to this place. But we just want to open up space in the room, we're going to take communion. There's communion stations kind of all throughout the room uh, in the back here and over here where you can come and you can take the juice and take the bread and just simply remember that Jesus' body was broken for you and his blood was shed for you. Remember the length and the depth that he went to to prove that you are his son or you are his daughter. And we just want to open up space to kind of reflect on this. Because here's the reality, guys children will look like their father for good or bad, they'll look like their father. I look at my kids, all three of them, and there's things in them that I know is there because of me. And some of those, praise God, are good, and I'm grateful, right? They got some good stuff from me. But sometimes something comes out of them, and I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I do. That's how they learn that. And if we We are children of God. The reality is we want to look like our father. We want to walk in the way of our family. And Jesus says, this is the way of the family. We're poor in spirit. We mourn. We're meek. We hunger and we thirst for righteousness. We're merciful. We're pure in heart. We're peacemakers. And we may be persecuted because of all of it, but we stand firm in the midst of that persecution. And guys, there's a lot of things that I want for this church. There's a lot of things that I hope for our community, but the thing that I hope for the most is that we look like our Father. Is that there is a different posture that flows out of this place than that flows out of the culture and the world around us that our responses are different than the responses of the world, that our, our actions and our hearts are reflecting a new way and a different way. And so today, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that the presence of the living God is here in this place where two or three are gathered, I am with you. And he wants to speak, he wants to move, he wants to remind you of your family and your family identity and your family resemblance and he wants to call us to a family identity together that can change the world. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, Solomon stands up and he starts to, uh, uh, to usher in the temple. 
And he starts talking about all of these different things. It was given to my father, and, and, and he gave it to me, and, and God said, you did well to have that in your heart, but this was my plan, and I was supposed to build it. And then he starts praying, and as he prays, he says, there's been times when we've been hungry and you've provided. There's been times when we've faced trials and you've protected. There's been times when we've been worried and you've been with us. There's been times, and he goes over and over again through all the history of Israel, of all the times when God showed up and he consecrates the altar and he prays, and in that moment, fire falls from heaven and something happens in that room that had not happened before, and he says to Jesus, do it again. He says to God, do it again. Do the things that you've been doing over and over and over again. Be faithful, keep your promises, protect, provide, deliver, show up, bring freedom, bring clarity, bring wisdom, bring discernment, bring grace, bring mercy, bring peace, bring love, bring forgiveness, break through in a way that you haven't broken through before. And today, by the power of the living God, I've been praying every moment this week that today there would be a breakthrough in this space again. That God would do the things that he's done over and over and over again, but that we would know that we've been in the presence of the living God today. So I want to open up space. The band's going to sing. You can move throughout the room in any way. If you want to pray, there's people to pray with in all four corners of the room, and there's more people in the back. Communion is here. If you want to come and just make this an altar, then come and bow at this altar and pray. We just want to open up space and say, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do with us, we're here. So Holy Spirit, today we just ask that you would move and work and have your way. Lord, I pray right now that you would do the work that I cannot do. I pray that you would speak to every heart in this room, that you would search our hearts, that you would know us, and that you would call us to your family resemblance and call us to your family identity. I pray that you would uh, uh, kindly, your kindness leads us to repentance, Lord. And so I ask that you would kindly and lovingly call us to a different way. And Lord, we ask boldly, we ask boldly that fire would fall from heaven. It's in Jesus' name we pray.